Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 2 Samuel chapter 5 from the World English Bible. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Behold, we are your bone and your flesh. In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led Israel out and in. Yahweh said to you, You will be shepherd of my people Israel, and you will be prince over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king to Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them in Hebron before Yahweh, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was thirty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned forty years. In Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem he reigned thirty-three years over all Israel and Judah. The king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who spoke to David, saying, The blind and the lame will keep you out of here, thinking, David can't come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. This is David's city. David said on that day, Whoever strikes the Jebusites, let him go up to the watercourse and strike those lame and blind who are hated by David's soul. Therefore they say, the blind and the lame can't come into the house. David lived in the stronghold and called it David's city. David built around from Milo and inward. David grew greater and greater, for Yahweh the God of armies was with him. Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David with cedar trees, carpenters, and masons, and they built David a house. David perceived that Yahweh had established him king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for his people Israel's sake. David took more concubines and wives for himself out of Jerusalem after he had come from Hebron, and more sons and daughters were born to David. These are the names of those who were born to him in Jerusalem, Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, Nephag, Japhia, Elishima, Eliada, and Eliphalet. When the Philistines heard that they had anointed King David over Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek David. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. David inquired of Yahweh, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? Yahweh said to David, Go up, for I will certainly deliver the Philistines into your hand. David came to Baal Perazim, and David struck them there. Then he said, Yahweh has broken my enemies before me, like the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal Perazim. They left their images there, and David and his men took them away. The Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. When David inquired of Yahweh, he said, You shall not go up. Circle around behind them and attack them in front of the mulberry trees. 
when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then stir yourself up, for then Yahweh has gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. David did so, as Yahweh commanded him, and struck the Philistines all the way from Geba to Gezer. That is the end of chapter 5. You'll notice that the first part of this chapter is a summary introduction to the time that David was king over all Israel, noting that the people officially recognized God's anointing, the time span of his reign and his related ages, how he got his capital city, his important relations with King Hiram of Tyre, and getting the palace, or I'm assuming it's a palace, his house built, and that God was with him, that he took more wives and he had more children. Wives and children in particular are mentioned here that are not we don't get specifics on until later. So that's one way we know that this is a summary. Because the Jebusites are central to the story of David getting his capital city of Jerusalem, which is called the Stronghold of Zion, I did a search in a concordance for the Jebusites. The first place that I found them mentioned is when they are listed in Genesis 15, when God is giving Abraham the details of the covenant that he is making with him and telling him about the land that his descendants are going to inherit. Then the Jebusites are also specifically mentioned in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses is given a list of the nations that will be driven out when um, God is talking to him at the burning bush. Then in Numbers chapter 13, the Jebusites are mentioned specifically as dwelling in the mountains. And in Deuteronomy chapter 7, they are specifically listed among those who are greater and mightier than Israel, that God is going to help Israel conquer. And in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 17, they are commanded to destroy the Jebusites along with some other people. But then in Joshua chapter 15, we see that Judah could not drive out the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And we have that phrase again, until this day. So when Joshua was written, the book of Joshua, then they still hadn't been driven out. Recall that there's kind of a a going back and forth between the Israelites at this point not following through with promises. So God can't follow through with helping them because they're not doing things according to his directions. And then in Judges chapter 1, verse 2, it talks about the tribe of Benjamin also not being able to drive them out. And then in Judges chapter 3, it specifically mentions that God left some of the people to test Israel to see if they would follow his commands and to teach them how to fight those who didn't know how to fight. Then we will find the Jebusites mentioned again in the book of Ezra because the people, the Israelites who were living in the land, were still not separating themselves from the people and their wicked ways of living. And then again in Nehemiah, uh, he will list them in his history based prayer. I just think it's helpful to get an overall view of a people as they're listed through the Bible to see what's going on and not just to pass over the names because they're not people that we're familiar with in our current time period. In this chapter is the first time we hear of Hiram, the king of Tyre. Uh, He will also show up repeatedly in Solomon's reign. The city of Tyre shows up a lot in the biblical narrative from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. Uh, Specifically in chapter 23 of Isaiah, we have a prophecy against them. It seems that all their skill and their wealth has caused them to give in to pride. 
In Matthew chapter 11, verse 21, Jesus specifically says that they would have repented if they had seen the same things that he was showing the people in the New Testament time period. And then in Matthew 15, it says Jesus departed to the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And in Acts 21, it talks about Paul traveling through at least the port of Tyre. I'm going to link to a couple of articles that talk about the history and the biblical prophecy of Tyre that I found very interesting. But in brief, it was a Phoenician city that possibly had already been around close to a thousand years by the time of David. But the city of Tyre that is on the map today is not the one that is mentioned in the Bible. The insults that David and the Jebusites were flinging back and forth at each other may need some comment in this day and age of everybody worried about discrimination. The point is that the blind and the lame can't fight. So to say to David and his men that the blind and the lame will keep them out is to say that David and his men are weak. So David's words in response to that, he's not talking about killing helpless blind and lame people. He's saying, no, you are the blind and lame and I will defeat you. Then the chapter ends with more conflict with the Philistines, who are also in many of the same lists throughout the Bible that the Jebusites are in. Did you catch that after the Philistines were defeated, they left their images? This, to the best of my understanding, would be their gods who were supposed to protect them and give them victory, but they just left them behind. And then in the second battle, we had this uh, description of God telling David to wait until he heard the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees. I went ahead and looked at several different translations of how they translated that term to see if it was unique to this translation or there was maybe something else to understand about it. But in all of the uh, different translations that I looked at on the Blue Letter Bible, which is really easy to do, you just you pull up the scripture and then you click on a box and look at it in each translation. It talks about the sound of marching in the tops of trees in all but the King James Version. And there it uses a more archaic, it talks about sounds that are like the sounds of going in and out. Um, interestingly, where there seems to be uh, variation is in exactly what kind of trees are being referred to. Some of the texts said balsam and some of them said poplar. So the idea of sound in of marching in the tops of the trees is consistent through all of them. And that's not a normal place to hear marching in the tops of trees. Whatever was causing that sound, it was obviously a sign from God and David followed it and he had great victory. We need to believe God when he tells us what he's going to do and do things according to his ways, and we will succeed the way he means for us to succeed. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 